You're listening to the Blue Box Podcast, and for the next 60 minutes, I'll be going down the rabbit hole so that you don't have to. Hi, I'm JR. Hi, I'm Almo. Hi, I'm Doc Hoom. And I'm the Reverend Captain Huluporo. And something tells me I'm about to have either the best dream or the worst nightmare of my podcasting <laughs> career. Guys, how are you all? Very well, thank you. Yeah, not yeah, bad. Radiant. Not bad. <laughs> <laughs> um, right. JR, I think before anything, we should start by putting you on the spot. <laughs> oh, God. And in less than 60 seconds, I'd like you to explain how you get 31 cigarettes from 25. Ooh. Oh, my God. You're going back to the annual thing. Oh, God. I've not read one of those for 20 years. Probably you would be rubbish years. in the anti Dalek force. I would. But you know what? If I put the matchsticks down in front of me, you know, they always give you the picture, don't they? Yeah. They always give you the picture of the 31 matches. So if you put one straight and one across for the T, and then four more for the W at angles, four more for the E, can no, you do it that you're way? you're misremembering. No, go on then, no, tell he's me. No, got, he's got... He's stuck in some... somewhere. Uh, either in some Dalek prison or something. For some reason, he's got 25 cigarettes. And he runs out of cigarettes... And then he discovers that he can make a new cigarette out of five cigarette butts. Oh, God, yes, he does, Which makes he? 30 cigarettes. And then out of the extra five he's made, he's got another five ones, so he can make 31. This, these things used to entertain me in the 70s. That is just wrong to be in a children's annual, though. This is the Blue Box podcast. Yeah, this, <laughs> oh, is, not, this is not what people were supposed to be teaching their children. Everyone used to smoke in the 70s. It was compulsory. I know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, some some podcasts get delayed because people want to go and have a smoke. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're quickly moving along. Um, look, guys, uh, we're just recording at the start of 2014, mm-hmm. but we've just come out of 2013. So, Al, how uh-huh. was your anniversary? Um, it, my anniversary itself was pretty good. It was a bit. It was a bit. Um, I don't know. I thought it was going to be a disaster in the end because it just it just sort of rolled towards us like a great big um, wall on wheels, and I I was certain I wasn't going to be able to get to the cinema to see it, and I was trying to stay on top of everything because <clears throat> BBC Worldwide managed well amongst others managed to produce quite a lot of um, merchandise throughout the year, as you'd expect them to do because it's something that needs to be celebrated, really, yeah. isn't it? But it it just seemed that it was this kind of relentless um, attack on my wallet taking place, which which was a bit distracting when you were trying to do something else. But uh, it, it, yeah, it was it was good, and I thought it was it was it was always going to be a tricky thing to do, wasn't it? Because you've got you've got so much that has to be done and so much that needs to be there in order to make it right and to make it what it needed to be and to keep it going for another 50 years as well as finish off the first 50 years and so on and so forth. But, um, we, you know, yeah, yeah, it was pretty good. Pretty good. Pretty interesting. Um, yeah. But, mm, 
yeah, it was good. De- seeing it in the cinema oh. was something very, very special. I've got to be honest. That was. Did I, did either of you others get to see it in the cinema? Um, yeah, I no, did. No. Uh-huh. So, so the Reverend, what was your well, cinema experience like? No, no, no. I, it, I didn't see it in the cinema. Oh, you didn't. No, sorry, sorry. I, I, I made the decision not to see it in the cinema. I'm one of those people who is a TV program. That's how I wanted to see it. Oh, um, all right. But, but as as. Uh, the, all the questions you've uh, suggested we discuss tonight, I ended up psychoanalyzing myself, and I've written quite a bizarre essay, which where I've found out about my life really and how it relates to Doctor Who. And you know, these days Doctor Who for me is friends come round. We have these things called Who Do's. They're a big celebration. Young and old are in the house together. It's a big party, and you know there was no way that we weren't going to celebrate the anniversary without having one of those big parties. And it was a sensational evening and really really enjoyable I how, many people, that, how many people how many people did you have there yeah um we're gonna get about 12 round 12 people oh you know, wow it's just it's really good fun um i'm not saying that i wouldn't see it at the cinema another time if i got the chance i've, I've seen state of decay on the big screen <laughs> which is <laughs> very, how come um it Where? was at the um bradford media museum it was a t- an audience with terence dicks um, wow. Where he ignored me when I asked for his autograph. He sort of just. He, he shouldn't be. Well, I'd been impersonating him on the train on the journey down. I didn't actually realise he was on the train <laughs> as well. I, I was. Terrence, uh, could I have your autograph, please? This is it, yeah. But, but to the Queen. <laughs> I, I would be reading from Destiny of the Daleks, which I then I wanted him to sign. I'm surprised he didn't write something new. <laughs> anyway, wow. Terrence, hey. could you sign my photograph of a Western warrior woman? <laughs> exactly. There's. The, so there's my anniversary. But yeah, so but, we had a great hoodoo. There was bunting up. We had Doctor Who related food, Dalek bread, um, Adric sticky sausage. Um, Adric yeah, sticky Kester sausage? Yes. Oh, um, oh was that Castanova? <laughs> we had little, it wasn't. Yeah, we had little, little miniature baked potatoes, which were Sontar and embryos. Um, <laughs> another mate brought champagne round. You know, it's really good. But compared to earlier memories of Doctor Who, which I'm sure we'll come into, uh, later yeah. on. My life, it's, it's, it's very odd how my life and revolves around Doctor Who now being this big group thing to how it used wow. to be. They so go. why why did they choose State of Decay? From the guy who wrote The Five Doctors and Horror of Fang Rock, why did they choose I State of Decay? I have absolutely no idea. I really don't in... know. I'm not even sure if they showed all the episodes. Because <laughs> there was a big... I'm not even, I've only been three episodes. I know they showed... Um, they showed a sort of a hodgepodge of bits and bobs he'd written, like um, Space Nineteen Ninety Nine and various slides of all the little book series he's tried doing, and then did a Q and A, and uh, he gave all his general answers to questions he probably gets asked quite a lot, and then they, they showed yeah. these episodes of State of Decay. Wow. But they should have showed the first and last because you can really get past episodes two and three without really losing. <laughs> yeah, well, that it story, could have been. I think it could have been. I'm not sure. I don't. I don't recall them showing all of them. Wow. But they might. So, do- so Doc, <clears throat> what was your favourite bit of the anniversary? Uh oh, was uh, quite a fury. It was like the whole anniversary month building up to it was like a sort of um, a slow burn building, multiple <clears throat> orgasm really. <laughs> it was, um, which is a pity, really, because if you think of all the years we've been complaining that only women get that, now we've had that, women get to say, well, in that case, we want a female doctor. 
But the um, I, I was one of those who was slightly disheartened um, towards October that we were getting nothing. And then the Lost Stories turned up. Mm. And not just Lost Stories, but complete Lost Stories. And not just Lost Complete ones, but a couple of decent ones as well. Yeah. Uh, I mean, everyone has always said, they? oh, yes, Web, Web, that's, that's the you know the Lost classic we're all thinking of. It was always Enemy of the World that I'd always wanted to see. Possibly because I'd read the novelization of Web so many times. Uh, so I downloaded those on the uh, iTunes, and what was it? It was a Thursday mm. night, wasn't it? At midnight. That's right, yeah. Took a Friday <laughs> off work. Just uh, reveled in it. And then it started building from there. Um, we got, uh, what was it? Night of the Doctor, wasn't it? Which, yes. uh, fortunately, was unspoiled from me because I'd, I'd spent 24 hours in bed with food poisoning. Got up, so dragged myself to my PC, went online. And just happened to find, uh, I think it might have been Casturbris's site, that said, oh, here's this Night of the Doctor, you must see it. Um, so I managed to see it without being spoiled at all, which I oh, thought good was job absolutely you... brilliant. Yeah. Good job you didn't log on to Doctor Who online, <laughs> eh? <laughs> I heard about that. <laughs> then the, uh, I, I pass over the, um, what was the, the crappy one called? The last oh, day was Arcadia. That something was like that, yeah. Uh, yeah, but if you think about it, and I, I guess that the last day or whatever it was called was supposed to be the one that would have come first, and people would have just said, "Oh yeah, online oh, preview, yes, possibly, yeah. Daleks arrive." But because they were afraid of the news about Paul McGann getting out, I think they released that early, and so it may be that the last day, the last day or whatever, was a taster for the Night of the Doctor. Yes, In fact, possibly. it wouldn't even. It wouldn't even surprise me if the Night of the Doctor hadn't been intended to come out afterwards. Maybe like a, because there's no, there wasn't any online. Oh, surely not. Um, after, not after the anniversary, should it? No, no. I, I'm wondering if the money that went towards making Night of the Doctor was money that was set aside to make a prequel for the Christmas special, and late in the day they decided to do that instead oh, possibly yeah and so there's no because there's no online prequel for the christmas one which you would expect Ooh. and there are two for the anniversary <laughs> one which is one more than you'd expect although yeah. it's not the first time they've done that so i just wonder if it was late in the day and got bumped up and hence the last day became something of a disappointment i thought it you know that one was perfectly serviceable for what it was oh yeah it was it was okay i mean it's like i, think I, I said the other day and something i emailed you that when we say mm. Ugh, it's rubbish it's rubbish doctor who which means it's brilliant but not quite yeah. as brilliant as we'd like it to be and it followed night of the doctor if we hadn't had night of the doctor right it yeah. well been absolutely fantastic as a prequel but mm. how would you follow yes, night yeah. of the doctor Exactly. You know, the last day uh, kind of tells the story. It kind of, if you hadn't known, if you hadn't seen the events of Night of the Doctor, where you know that it's going to be John Hurt is the War Doctor and he's going to be doing something about the Time War, then you don't know at the point where the last day comes out that it is the Time War. Yeah, that's true. You can you, at that point you only think it's going to be. So that trailer is kind of oh my god, we're on Gallifrey. Oh my god, it's being attacked by Daleks. Oh, that's what the story's going to be. And of course, Night of the Doctor blew it out of the water in so many ways that it, in the end it was just an anticlimax. Mm. 
What came after that? Then on the, the Thursday before the anniversary, it was Adventure of Time and Space. Mm. And, uh, sorry, Space and Time, wasn't it? Which mm. I I thought was brilliant, but part even partly just because of the uh, the shots of TV Center, mm. which I thought yeah. were very nostalgic. In fact, I watched that on uh, the either the Thursday or the Friday after Christmas um, up in Manchester with my mother, thinking, "Oh, she'll be bored to tears by this." Well, she thought it was brilliant. Um, what I, 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 I wasn't that enamoured by the little Matt Smith cameo at the end. I thought that was oh, I loved to get the heartstrings a little too much. It got mine. <coughs> yeah. There's a weird divide over that. I mean some people were like, oh wow, that really made it and then there were other people who it took them right out of yeah, it. Yeah, I was gonna say that. I mean admittedly it was right at the end. So it's, it, it, I'm not saying it spoiled it or anything. And then the anniversary. I prefer that to Reese Shearsmith's uh, Patrick Trout, I have to say. Oh, it was awful, oh, yeah. wasn't it? Oh, well, no, but. Sure about that. <laughs> imagine if, he'd, if they'd included the. Um, <laughs> Another John Pertwee. Those Pertwee. two. And, John, uh, John Pertwee. Get Matt Gatiss as John Pertwee. <laughs> it was awful, wasn't it? I've, you know, I've not even looked at that. That's online <laughs> oh, somewhere, isn't yeah, it? It's, it's on the DVD, it's an extra. It's very uh, awesome. I've not bought the DVD yet. Yeah. I'm still holding out hope that they're going to throw it all together in a box set. But I think I'm going to be disappointed on that score. Yeah. What? Through what? The whole anniversary stuff? Um, Day of the Doctor, Night of the Doctor, well, I, I Time bought, of the Doctor. I bought something on iTunes the other day, which is effectively all the anniversary stuff in a package. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, <coughs> oh, it's got the um, revisited as well, Life, hasn't Time it? of Space, Night of the Doctor, a lot of the little... Silly things like oh, right. um, the uh, oh, what's he, what's he called? Brian Cox thing, science, um, the science of Doctor Who, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I, I quite like that actually. See Matt boogieing in the TARDIS mm. to um, things can only get better, yeah. Oh, yeah, the, yeah. The, the culture show that was, there was yeah, pretty yeah, was fantastic as well. I thought Ooh, it was a culture show, that special, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> was that the one where they interviewed Richard Marston? And the one question they asked him was, "So all these, all these, all this, uh, this, this dirty sex scandal." Yeah, yeah. you know they actually. Uh, he sat down with um, Matthew Sweet. Um, oh, I'm forgetting the name of the guy who did the interviews. Um, oh, I met him mm. as well, Matthew Sweet. He sat down with Matthew Sweet. Apparently, for six hours they had the camera turned on, and the only bit they used was the bit where he talks about the scandal. <laughs> And he talked about that for like three minutes out of the six hours. So there you go. That was and obviously then, it. Anniversary day, I went to yeah. the pictures. I think I I, I blogged about a week before. So I was on uh, I was on in two minds because I hate. It's one thing I hate about the pictures. It's people making extraneous mm. noises around me, rustling the bloody popcorn thing. So I thought, oh well. So I booked it anyway. I've not been to my local pictures for years. And I booked it online. So, do you want a VIP seat? I don't know what those are. So I thought I might as well. <laughs> so I got there. It's this, this enormous padded leather armchair. Oh, this is wonderful. And because I thought, what I thought is, well, there's about three or four rows of these VIP seats. I don't want to sound snobbish, but I thought, well, if these are slightly more expensive, <laughs> it means I'll be surrounded by people who are well to do. <laughs> Who won't be badly mm. behaved. It was the best behaved cinema audience I've ever been in. Uh, and I just absolutely loved it. Mm. Uh, the 3D was the first 3D mm-hmm. I've ever seen, which was decent. Because my, my problem is I wear specs. So if you put a pair of CD things over your... Uh, what do you call them? The two bicoloured ones? Yeah. 
over um, an ordinary pair of specs, you're already feeling uncomfortable, so it's taking you out yeah. of it. Did you... You wouldn't have seen it, would you? In the... Um, you know the bit... Uh, the, uh, the introduction where you've got Strax saying... Oh, yeah, yeah. ...about his popcorn. Before that, there was um, Matt and David on the screen chatting to yeah. each other. Somebody's posted it on YouTube, yeah. actually. And they had the thing about... Um, <laughs> We th- we think that some some Tarans have broken into the audience. So look at the person next to you. Close one eye, and if one of their three <laughs> uh, D glasses turns black or something, it's a Santaran, which is quite funny. And but of course, the, the, yeah, the ultimate yeah. high for me was Tom's cameo. Oh yes, that's uh, yeah. you know um oh what's that uh, what was the second Star Wars prequel called? Attack of the Clones. Yeah. You know that bit where, what's his name? Obi-Wan Kenobi is chasing Boba Fett's dad through this asteroid field. Mm. I say Boba Fett's dad, what I mean is, of course, Hal the Archer's dad. Django Fett. Uh, Oh, yeah. And to try and shake him off, he's chucking these mines back at him, which when they explode, they don't go boom. They explode in sort of silence. (laughs) Am I talking at you? I know what you mean. It's going to explode and all no, these sounds will be going off for a second. Yeah. And it was almost like this. It was like yeah. this huge collective gasp, but a silent gasp. Right, for yeah. About a thousand people. When he says that mm-hmm. thing off screen, you know, I really think you ought to. And it's almost as if all <laughs> breathing, all heart beating stopped completely. <laughs> yeah. Certainly the <laughs> silly cow behind you was rustling a popcorn stop. Um, and then the camera pans behind Tom's shoulder, and there's this utter, almost painful stillness in the audience. And then they show his face, and it's like a collective sigh, and this unreserved affection just goes out. Mm. It sounds. Which I don't think would, wouldn't have worked like that with any of the other surviving classic doctors. Probably I know not. Colin was slightly miffed about it, wasn't he? And it wouldn't have worked, of course, if you hadn't seen it in the pictures. No. But, you know, it wouldn't have been like that. But you've just reminded me of going to see Basic Instinct in the pictures in 1991. <laughs> oh, just like it. <laughs> well, I've got to tell you, you know that famous scene in Basic Instinct? You know the one I'm talking about? Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. The one in the uh, yeah. where she's being interviewed. Yeah. And you know what? Yeah. I just went to see it because it was a Paul Verhoeven film. I had no idea. Re- I, I knew it was like a, a sexed-up Hitchcock pastiche, but I didn't know much more about it than that. And I didn't know anything about that scene. So I'm sitting there in a packed cinema. And all of a sudden, they get to the interview room. And they sit down and they start doing the interview. And all the little rustles and little bits of conversation. <laughs> and all the popcorn suddenly stops. And this eerie hush descends across the entire audience. And the bit where she uncrosses her leg. I think every chair in there suddenly had a fist clenched down on it. And you could, and the entire the bit where she opens her legs, the entire auditorium creaked. Well, the two people either side of me was it not just a good sound mix? <laughs> could they see Prisoner Zero through it or something? There's a little old lady, little old lady in her late sixties sitting next to me, and there's a little old man in his sixties sitting on the other side, and they weren't with anyone, so it's almost not like they brought their grandchildren. And they, um, when Tom appeared, this little old lady said. Heart, her hand sort of jumped to her mouth in shock. <laughs> so she obviously uh, uh, she must have it. been watching from way back and then well the, Tom Baker um, has this effect on ladies of a certain age doesn't he oh yes of course he does the five-ish doctors was like sort of a long 
post-coital cigarette, wasn't it? It's very funny. Oh, yeah. Very funny, though. Did I'll you tell pick you what... up the... Sorry, did you pick up the, um, the bit about the theme musics? Hmm. I thought, oh, I thought that when was they're so going funny. in and out the of the episode. door. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I didn't get that first time. I thought, well, what are they doing going in and out? No, there were so many things yeah. I didn't. Mm. Well, I didn't quite get first time that you don't sort of fully appreciate till the second time. It's like this with a lot of things, though. The first time you watch something, you're kind of watching for the plot. Yeah. Yes. So yeah, you yeah. kind of tend to miss. You tend to miss. And even in Stephen Moffat episodes, you tend to miss explanations because you're watching for the plot. And a lot of the time, you won't pick up on all the little things. And in something like The Five-ish Doctors, the jokes, and something like a Stephen Moffat episode, the explanations, or the, you know, foreshadowing and stuff like that, you don't pick up on it till the second time. You know, I tend to always try and hold off on judgment till the second time I see something. And now, of course, I'm writing for a magazine... And I'm writing for the website, so I have to write the review within an hour of seeing it the first time. So it doesn't quite work out. So with the, with the, the adventure, in, sorry, with the adventure in space and time, it was the second viewing of that where I did. I realised the beautiful colours and the sort of um, almost sepia-like turns that they filmed it in. And I thought that mm. was a fantastic element. I totally missed that the first view. Because you're you're watching for the story as opposed to well, sort this of, is it, yeah, yeah. Mm. Al, we've not really heard from you for a while. Tell yeah, us. Yeah, sorry, I am here. <laughs> yeah. Out of all the sort of anniversary bits and pieces, did you have a particular favourite? Um, it's probably got to be Day of the Doctor, mostly because it was, uh, it was a collective experience as well. Because it was, it was in the pictures again. Yeah, yeah, and with all these. But it was really odd because although although there was there was a there was extraneous noise. I've got to be I've got to be honest. Um, it was largely people bellowing at all the right times and cheering at the right moments yeah. and laughing at the right bits and weeping quietly at the correct points as well, which was quite good. So that was that was that was right. And it was there was a, there was a frisson in there as well that ran through ran through everyone. And there was there was this air. Oh, it was incredible. It was really good. Really good. In fact, it wasn't just the Tom Baker bit. There were quite a few moments, I think, that were probably sort of... If you were in the pictures, there were probably quite a few moments where the whole audience would be together as one. Uh, You know what I mean. Yeah, no, very much so. Um, And because I saw it in Glasgow, so you can imagine what the capelled eyebrows, um, the sort of cheer that got. (laughs) It was quite frightening for a moment, but it was good. Yeah, it it was there. And right from the opening... Because there, there were a few dedicated um, Doctor Who fans. They definitely were there. Um, and there were a few people dressed up as Matt Smith as well. No one had come along as Taran Woodbeast, which is a shame. But it was that sort of a, that sort of a thing running <laughs> through it. And it was good. It was, it was very... That was, that was quite special. Because I couldn't... A lot of the other stuff had been sort of closed off. Because I don't watch telly. And um, there was no way we were going to be able to get to London. So that whole thing was out the window. Because um, I'd really have liked to have gone down to the to, to the big expo, come and meet everyone thing, but yeah, just that wasn't an option, which was a shame. What would you have given up in a, in order to get to do that? What would I've given up? Um, yeah, I mean, would you have given up, say, a friend's wedding? Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, 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 yeah. I've never been to a wedding, so that'd be fine. <laughs> I, could, I wouldn't break my duck on that. <clears throat> yeah. Dark, dark. You're a naughty, naughty man. <laughs> Uh, so... But Simon's not here, so... <laughs> yeah, I would have, but, you know, that's because that's I don't know him very well. 
Sorry, it's okay. You know, I only met him on the podcast. Oh, right, oh. Who? Simon? Yeah, literally oh, on really? the podcast. Yeah. He was a friend of Lee's, and they were doing a radio show together, and I said, why don't you bring him along uh, next time we record? And he said, yeah, sure. And then, uh, this is when we used to record it in Mark's front room, and then Lee couldn't come, so just Simon just turned up by himself. So it's like this complete stranger knocked at the door and Mark and I sort of opened the door and said, uh, oh, you must be Simon. I'm very old. Yeah, that's why uh, on the Facebook page, you've got a link to it. There's that first version of our fourth episode because the first time we recorded it all together, it didn't really go as well as it could have. <laughs> right. So we uh, reconvened a week later and did it again. Um, look, let's go back to the start then. Your very first encounters with Doctor Who. And Doc, I think of the three of you, you're perhaps the oldest. What, do you oh, remember? Th- thank you. Well, you must be, because you remember... I think I'm the oldest back. of the four of might, us. might not be right with that, but there we go. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, I'm not going to do ages, but we'll do first memories. But Doc, your first memory predates the other two, I think. From the... is either the earliest I can remember sitting in front of a TV and watching it is either the um, the scene in Day of the Daleks where you know the Daleks and the Ogrons all congregate near the railway bridge, yeah, a railway tunnel rather to invade the house, or uh, or the Sea Devils coming out of the sea in uh, Sea Devils. But I think they're, they're, they're only about uh, a couple of weeks apart, aren't they? In yeah, that, yeah. In the beginning of 1972, season 9. So those are my earliest memories. Uh, so my, my first Doctor technically was John Pertwee. But my Doctor was definitely Tom. Mm. Uh, there wasn't any... I was thinking for a while... I've been thinking for a couple of years, actually, why it was that... <clears throat> at um, the end of Plant of the Spider's beginning of Robot, I wasn't completely shocked that my the Doctor had suddenly changed into a different man. It only occurred to me about a month ago. That, of course, I've been reading all the Target novelizations, yeah. which did uh, got some, used to have something on the back, didn't they, saying the changing face of Doctor mm. Who? That's right. And it would explain that there was a, a different guy on, which must have been what mean why I didn't. Uh, I wasn't that surprised. Did, but were there many Target books out by then? Because the Target books... Oh, only... yeah. I'm I, just I, trying to remember I, myself. I, I, that uh, podcast you did about um, memories, Yeah. where I said that my parents used to own a little newsagent in Manchester. Yeah, that's the right, yeah, uh, I remember. And so they used to go every month or so to this enormous WH Smith wholesale warehouse somewhere in North Manchester to stock up on greetings cards and cigarettes and stuff like that and while they were wandering around all this they'd leave me in the book section where they had every target novelization piled on the floor in piles almost up to my waist every single one for about the wholesale price is about 15p each but of course my mum was trying to teach me that money doesn't grow on trees so she'd say she'd leave me reading all these books and she'd come back and say right you can have one that's so horrible, isn't it? So that's, that's probably why I still resent her. I think. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I mean, the, I mean, they didn't have the. I've not. There's a lot I haven't read, 
which are probably the ones that I think were probably published after the 70s. Yeah. But the ones that stay most in my mind are the original David Whittaker one of the of Daleks, uh, Moonbase. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes, um, yes. Uh, Cave Monsters, Doomsday Weapon. The a, Autumn lot, books? A, lot of, a lot of which, oh, yeah, a lot of which actually turn out to be better than the actual TV when you see yeah. it. Uh, and I think I was, I was lucky, really, that my... The big regeneration that I encountered was John to Tom, because I think if I'd been someone who was really, really into John, I think it's lucky that you you get someone who is so not just a different actor, but such a almost a completely different human being playing him mm. that you don't so much think, oh, who's this new person playing my doctor? He's such a force of nature that uh, I don't think I've never don't, don't think I've ever met anyone. Who's had a problem making the leap from John to Tom? Yeah. Uh, but my my earliest memories, you know, you hear a lot of these podcasts overseas. You know, podcasts by oh, yeah. United States fans, Australian fans, where they hockey, all used to watch them fans. all on rotation. <laughs> well, no, uh, yes, but you know they'll you know they'll they'll have a guest on and they'll say um, they'll use it to break the ice. They'll say, "Oh, how did you get into Doctor Who?" And they say, "Oh, it was on, you know, a continuous loop on my um, so, uh, cable PBS station." station yeah, yeah. Mm. Um, I also thought, if you asked a asked a British fan, probably of mine and your generation, Jay, um, "Oh, how did you get into it?" It would be like saying, "How did you get into beans on toast?" <laughs> yeah, yeah <laughs> exactly. It was such an integral part of your childhood. But having said that, we never used to see anything in the past, did we? It wasn't no. until the sort of mid nineties that I started seeing all the old stuff mm. pre season nine on um, was it yeah, UK Gold. Wasn't UK it? Gold, yeah, yeah. yeah. These omnibuses on Sunday mm-hmm. morning. By when, at which time I was totally hung over from the night before, and I keep nodding off watching them. So um, <laughs> uh, that's where I saw. And the, and the I don't think the quality was too good in those days, was it? it was no, still quite um, grainy. I never had the satellite then. I used to get my mum and dad to record them for me every now and again. And my dad, bless him, didn't know how to set the tape recorder. So he'd actually <laughs> used to get up at six o'clock in the morning to start recording Doctor <laughs> Who for me. I have bless some very him. strange experiences. I, I used to think the very first Doctor Who I had ever seen was the Crotons. Until I checked and I realised that just time-wise it was impossible. Because I, I, I could vividly remember the doctor doing his oh dear I'm working in square roots again thing uh, and Maybe then I you was, were remembering it from yeah. the five faces but that no, was so yeah, much I was later watching, it was that Melvin Bragg oh, who's who yeah. thing oh and that, yes. when they when they put that as an extra on one of the DVDs yeah. and I saw that I thought, oh that's it of course um, yeah yeah but because and also because they overseas fans seem to get this continued loop Whereas for us, in spring and summer, or as we call it in the UK, the ice time, <laughs> Doctor Who just closed down, didn't it? So my memories are far much less of the actual stories than of what I used to do in the, sort of the closed season. Yeah. My Doctor Who fix. So it's like the Target books, Dalek Annual's Doctor Who monster book, um, <laughs> cutting holes in uh, supermarket cardboard boxes and pretending to be a Dalek. <laughs> uh, I got for two, I think it was two consecutive Christmases, I got um, the Pescatons audio cassette. 
Two consecutive the... Christmases. Well, no, I've got one one year and one the next year. Oh, right. And uh, the oh double, Genesis, yeah, the double soundtrack album of Genesis the mm. next year. And I used to just to re- listen to those mm. when I was in, uh, in in bed at night, just over and over. So to the extent where I can just recite them, well, if I chose to, I could probably just write the whole lot mm. from start to finish. Um, and that's because you, you didn't get, you know, you, it's, it, I don't like to try and be like the four Yorkshiremen saying, kids these days don't know they're born. But it was like that. You couldn't just, you couldn't just <laughs> say, oh, I'll, I'll get a course, t- DVD These the Americans show. and Australians, the by the time they were eight or ten, <laughs> they'd seen all these stories more times than I have now at the age of 45. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yep. Which is ridiculous. We did that podcast <clears throat> with um, Stephen and Josh, where we were talking about oh, season yeah. 15, and they knew every line of dialogue. And I was thinking, Christ, I've only ever seen Underworld twice. <laughs> <laughs> That's too many times. <laughs> yeah. Al, what was, your, Hello. what was your entry point into Doctor Who? Well, my entry point into Doctor Who is, is the one that I keep quoting, so it probably isn't true, but it's uh, my earliest actual confirmable memory genuinely confirmable memories mm-hmm. is watching Tom Baker bang a ganglion to annoy a prawn that's the correct full term because I'm sure it must be the invisible enemy yeah and, yeah and with all the fro- floating Corinthian columns and dodgy CSO and all sorts of stuff like that going on that just looked magical and different and weird because I was tiny um, and so that's just how stuff was you don't and even I think you don't even notice special effects when you're that age no, you just think no. it's real yeah, it's a documentary, isn't it? It just happens to be taking place. Definitely, it's great. It's great. Yeah. It's why it's why old it's why old Doctor Who works so well. If you watch it with, uh, if you can watch it with with a, with an actual proper real child, as opposed to trying to, mm. you know, like like one you've made out of something or one <laughs> that you've just trying to conjure from your head because you can't really get back to it. You've got to you've got to see it from that point of view. Because Ark in Space, when you're five, Ark in Space is terrifying. It's really really scary when you're five. I know I've tried this experiment with a five year old, made them watch it, and they were petrified, and that was that was great. That was really good. So um, uh, coming back to it, yeah. So that was that, but mostly in a similar sort of thing. I didn't really see that much of Doctor Who when it was on the telly. Um, I was more sort of books because as soon as I discovered that there were books available, and I started off with Doctor Who and the Loch Ness Monster. Uh, and then that went into the exciting adventure with the Daleks and probably something else with an uh, Kilios cover that would have been, wouldn't it? And um, yeah. yeah, and and that was that was it. And I was much more into reading, so I just kind of absorbed myself in reading mm. right up until I mean, Doctor Who was on because the Doctor was there because um, he was playing Tom Baker at the particular time and then working his way through right up until he changed. And that was quite important, but because I wasn't always around at the time when I needed to be because every other weekend I'd go to a different country so because of that then I wouldn't always get to see it so you sort of I'd only get the the, the stories as they were on telly in bits and you'd have the full story in the book form which was really good because you could read through it and then you could picture it yourself and and you could sort out the problem mm. with with the wrong doctor being on the cover and you could fix that um, just through your imagination and work it through that way and that's kind of how it came around um, but I really fell heavily for the Target books, and I just kind of munched my way through acres of those. Oh, yeah. I remember when I first discovered... I didn't discover them till I was about something like eight, by which time yeah. by yeah. which time I was old enough to be able to read an entire book, like, in a single sitting. Because, I mean, yeah. when you're five or six, you can't do that with the Target books. But at the age of eight... So I would 
buy one on a Saturday morning and come home and have it finished by lunchtime. But my God, what a way to spend a Saturday morning. Oh, it's something special, isn't it? it well, it's really weird because Doctor Who and the Loch Ness Monster is the first book I read largely for that same thing it took me all weekend to read it because i got it on the friday and i read it over the weekend and i finished it mm. on the sunday and that's when it was like right i want more of these yeah like lots more of these in fact build me a shelf so we can put them on there yeah. and i'll read all of those that'll be fine um and that was kind of a big jump because prior to that the most i'd ever read were the um with it with a heavy going text boxes under rupert yeah, we have two panels: rhyming couplet, big text box. Rhyming couplet was fine, big text box. That was quite an ask. But once I got through that, I was ready for Doctor Who books, and that's 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 where that came from. And that's a, so yeah, and, that you know, a, that is the absolute proof of one of the oldest fan cliches in the book that we all learned to read because of Terence Dix. Totally, yeah, and he still wouldn't sign the book. No, swine. <laughs> and the really sad thing, Al, is in spite of the fact that you're only watching every other episode on the telly, you still miss the classic years anyway. I know, I know, because they were all before I was around. <laughs> do you know what? Anyway, yeah. Do you know what's really weird though? Both you and Doc, and mm-hmm. me as well as it goes. So that's three of the four of us. Our earliest Doctor Who memories are all from the end of a story rather than the beginning of a story. The Doc's oh. memory coming from yeah, the end yeah. of Day of the Daleks. Uh, yeah, yeah. Your memory coming from somewhere towards the end of The Invisible Enemy. My yep. earliest memory being from the end of Planet of the Daleks. Reverend, what about your huh. earliest telly memory? End well, of a story or beginning? Well, I'm not sure because it's a bit like, it's a bit like Doc Whom here because the, my first memory can't be my first memory. Um, I seem to remember Tom Baker uttering the lines, How very apt to Dalek Gan... And then the doctor with the Dalek mutant <laughs> at his throat, and that's sticking in my head as the first thing I remember. But I'd have been one, so that I don't know where that wow. came from. And it wasn't until I got—I didn't—I didn't have any experience of the of Genesis of the Daleks till I got the BBC Radio Collection W double audio tape in the eighties, and then heard those lines, and I thought, well, how did I ever get them? I remember hmm. um, Scaroth being unmasked uh, in the City oh, yeah. of Death. Yeah, that sticks yeah, in my yeah. head. I also remember. Uh, the doctor with his his foot stuck in the train track, which was from um, Deadly oh, Assassin. Assassin yeah. But the one where it all sort of really kicks off, and uh, when I think about his Destiny of the Daleks, I remember watching the first episode of it, and that was at my auntie's house. And I guess it was either on or I'd convinced her to put it on. There was some kind of family party, and I'd uh, rejected the party and obviously wanted to watch Doctor Who, um, and I watched Destiny of the Daleks. And I remember the next day, um, I had a rally chopper, and uh, we were reenacting Destiny of the Daleks in our garden, or playing. Let's stop being. Let's yeah. Stop, yeah. And because uh, I had a rally chopper, I was Davros because basically it was his chair. Because <laughs> uh, he had a lever, you see. And uh, with the, you know, um, my, the, my the gear lever on the grifter, you can't, you know, you can't just, you can't get, get it. With that. I remember one of our friends being quite annoyed because uh, when I, when I was Davros waking up. Uh, I started making a beep noise to signify the the light, his eye lighting up, and he, he said, "No, his eye just lit up. He didn't beep." And I said, I, "I haven't got, I can't do that, can I?" I'm, I'm, you know, physically doing it. And then at school, the, the next day would have been school. We we had to write, you know, we start the day with a little sentence about our weekend or whatever. Yeah, I, I haven't a clue what I wrote, but in my head, I could. We used to have a big tray. We had these big trays full of Crayola crayons. 
And when you were at home and you got a box of Crayola crayons, you might you'd have the green and the orange and the red, and maybe just some like eight colours. And we had this big drawer, and in there there was turquoise and violet and ultramarine, all these wild colours. And I remember vividly this drawing I did of Tom in his scarf with all these violet and purple Daleks. So I've <laughs> preempted the paradigm, you see. Um, <laughs> So they're, they're my earliest memories. It all revolves around that. And I did I did send an email, um, I'm not sure if it was on the podcast or not, where I talked about when uh, a local video store had a, a sell-off of a few um, tapes. This would be when I was 16. So a lot later, I was in sixth form. Yeah. And I bought Robots of Death. And uh, I always liked Tom Baker and Leela. And they were always special to me. And I wasn't ever sure why. I had these vague memories of things. And as you get older, I think sometimes the memories change a bit. But I put this tape on, and it was the feelings the tape gave me, the mixture of the the music with the low bassoon and the imagery and the the sand colour. It just all came together, and I thought, this is fantastic. This is how I remember Mm. Doctor Who being. Um, I got the key key to time box set for Christmas. I can't wait to put that on, because I do remember the beginning of that as well, when Romana first came, and I'm just hoping it does the same sort of thing. Mm. Oh, I think it will. There's something about 70s Doctor Who, and you've kind of hit the nail on the head there, and I suppose in a minute we'll perhaps talk about the 80s and what the differences are, but in the 70s there's something about the pictures, the visuals, and the soundtrack, the music, and the sound effects... That's just so weird and different. Yeah. If you sat down in front of Doctor Who in 1965 or 1975, you'd have a fairly similar experience. You'd be watching something on the telly that wasn't like anything else that was on the telly. Mm. But if you sat down in front of Doctor Who in 1985, it wasn't yes. quite the same. Was no, it? well, I think yeah. in the 70s and the 60s, it was it was more like sort of almost like the horror films of the time or some of the mm. cinema of the time rather mm-hmm. than the television. Whereas in the 80s, it was trying to keep up with other stuff by then and, you know, was yeah. a bit more poppy and top of the popsy and synthy and, you know, that kind yeah. of thing. Yeah, yeah. In fact, yes, you've hit the nail on the head there. It was like a cross between Top of the Pops and the Sweeney, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> 1985. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, very different. Do we all... Are we all old enough... Oh, we didn't actually reverend while you're there. Target books. Yeah, wow, well, the the thing about that is uh, I I never thought uh, when I was at primary school and when I was pretending to be Davros and doing (laughs) these drawings, I never never struck me as that I was obsessed with anything. And there was a a boy in my class who, he wasn't a particularly (laughs) close friend, but this this boy in my class, he gave me a copy of The Mask of Mandragora. And I said, why are you giving me this? He went, because you're always banging on about Doctor Who. You love it. You're always talking about Doctor Who. Have I? <laughs> and that was my my first mm. one. Um, and I, I've got to admit, I wasn't a huge, big follower of the of the books. I was much more into comics. I loved Doctor Who Weekly. I mean, I used uh-huh. to, when mm. we, we used to go in town with my mum on the bus, you see, you'd have a comic to look at on the bus. All right. And I'd, I'd point to Doctor Who. Uh, weekly, and she said, oh, you can't have that, it's too old for you, there's too many words and things in it. I said, no, no, I want it. So she said, oh, go on then. And I could, would look, at, I couldn't read it, she was right, but I would look at the pictures and the drawings yeah. for hours and hours and hours, and, you know, I, that's I'm more visual than reading. The reading yeah. came later. I remember getting things like the, the Five Doctors and um, 
well, when we get on to talking about the 80s, I think I might speak differently to others, but I did get a bit very obsessed with the Target books uh, in the 80s. Uh, the it, later 80s or... Oh, in... I'm talking Time and the Rani onwards here, Ooh. so I'm going to mm. totally uh, shock you probably when we get to the 80s. But yeah. <laughs> oh, not really, because I think they they went through a bit of a renaissance then, didn't they? I used to, I mean, and I could spend, uh, you know, again, if I was in town with a mum and she'd go, I'm just going to go and buy some clothes and... You go and do it, Smith. I'll come meet you in half an hour. Straight to the uh, TV sci-fi section, where the Doctor Who Target books were, and I would just look at them and, yeah. and read them and look at the cover art. And I'm I'm much more into facts and things like that. I'd be reading uh, who's done the cover illustration, you know, uh, like they used to like the little bit of information, the changing face of Doctor Who inside, you know. I was really interested in things like that, um, uh, you know. Terence Dix's descriptions and things like that that you can't mm. go wrong, can you? I mean, there are some fantastic bits within them, but I was much more into the comics and I think, and I used to just draw him and make my own stories up, I think, you know, that kind of thing. So back to the sort of start of the 80s then, mm. and, well, my experience of it was between Planet of the Daleks or wherever my first memory was and the Horns of Nymon, it all felt of a piece. And then, like I say, when John Nathan Turner came in, although obviously at the time I wasn't that aware that it was because there was a new producer, but suddenly in, you know, the Leisure Hive, it feels like a different program. Did, so mm, Al yeah. and Doc, did, did you two have a similar experience? Did you notice the change? Uh, Absolutely. Al, oh, go on. <laughs> Sorry. Go on, no, go yeah. on, Doc. It's all right. You go first. Can I just say that Doc Hoom sounds much better in the Revs accent? That's <laughs> really cool. Um, go on, let's get the Rev. To oh say yeah, it, I mean, then. I was uh, how I said it, Doc uh, Hoom. <laughs> oh, there you go. After uh, pretty much after the end of uh, the Key to Time series for me, it all started to not exactly fall apart. But I still, you know, how you get the the impression that towards the end. Tom was losing interest in it. Mm. Uh, I don't know if that was coming across to me subliminally, uh, but I just oh, just it stopped interesting me at the time. Leisure Hive, I still not watched more than about in my life more than about say two or three times, and even probably even that I probably fell asleep uh, during it. Yeah, um, I'm just uh, jogging my memory. Uh, case of time was series sixteen, wasn't it? Season sixteen, yeah. yeah. Now, obviously, with, with the exception of obvious things like City of Death, which is brilliant, the rest of it. I mean, however much we we tried to be, you know, to retcon things, you really have to be pretending to say, "Oh yeah, I think Horns of Nine was brilliant." Mm. Yeah, you, know, you almost have to be one of those people who say, "Oh yeah, what I liked about Doctor Who, I loved the fact that the sets were all wobbly." Uh, but it's not true. You're, you're trying to, you know, I mean, you, Jay, you know my views on 80s Who. You're trying to I pretend think, yeah. it's not. Yeah, people who say they love 80s Who are people who are too young to have been around during the golden years, and so they pretend they had something brilliant themselves, which they didn't. Full circle, I don't mind too much. But then you get some utter, uh, I don't want to sound rude. But sort of, um, <laughs> but you're going to pretentious um, allegorical bobbins like Warrior's Gate, which I, st- I still don't understand. Hey, Warrior's Gate is is the twin of um, is it Ghostlight? 
Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Ghostlight. They, they, you, you're making a serial, which is essentially for kids, but supposed to be for everyone. And the only way you can understand it is that 30 years later, when they release the DVD, you add on it a documentary explaining what the plot means. I mean, it's rubbish. And then the Logopolis. So depressing. Yeah. I mean, that was such a... Oh, God. All I this, think... This moody music, that the Watcher wandering around, the Tom looked absolutely exhausted. Um, no, I didn't do anything for him. The big problem with for me is Peter Davison. They're not only get someone who could conceivably be your older brother, you know, much younger, but someone who you... It was an everyday face on TV. Yeah, before you yeah, became yeah. Doctor Who. Uh, with, usually with his arm up... Um, a cow's backside. A cow's backside. Or sink or swim, was it? Mm. And hold the fort. Ouch. <laughs> and I'd seen... I can't remember which one of those was on. I think it was sink or swim and hold the fort was slightly later. And I'd seen that as well. Yeah. And I'm, and it just seems strange that but Doctor I'm not, Who... I'm not blaming Peter. Peter's the least no. of it. Yeah. The, the, the fact that the, the companions were younger. I mean, obviously, people like Sarah and Leela are going to be younger than the Doctor. And they're youngish women, but they're not kids. No. And then they bring on um, Adric, uh, Tegan, and uh, what's it, Nissa. Nissa. Who greatest, and it almost seemed, and if you look at it retrospectively now, from what you, you find out as a fan, you think that, that JNT was actually trying, trying to create friction in the TARDIS crew. That, oh, wouldn't it be interesting if they weren't all getting on? But no, your doctor's companions are supposed to be his best friends. They're supposed to be people who'd, you know, jump in front of a bullet for him. Not supposed to be secret bloody assassins. Or people yeah. for, sort of sulking in a corner saying, Oh, Doctor, when can we get back to Heathrow? It's, that always it's really got me. really annoyed me, that sort of thing. Oh, if you don't I, want to be I thought Janet Fielder had just come in then, sorry. <laughs> no, it was <laughs> amazing, wasn't Good. it? <laughs> But that did always get me. If you mm. don't enjoy being on the ride, why would you be on the ride? At that point, back in the 60s, okay, yeah, when yeah. you couldn't steer the TARDIS, yeah. you couldn't get people home. Fair enough. But, but Al, Hello. what was your experience of the turn of the 80s and the early 80s? Well, I had a, I've got... Uh, it's, a bit, it's a bit of a problem with this because um, this was around about the time that I was sort of twigging that it was on and I was getting into it as well. And, and like the Rev, I was really into the comics, um, the comic side of it and Doctor Who magazine, although I'd skip all the stuff that wasn't comics because that was just dull, apart from the pictures. And so <laughs> when, it was, when, it was coming, um, when it was coming back on and when it was round, I was sort of into it and aware of it and getting there. But it was really the end of... Um, Tom Baker's last season and the whole um, five faces of Doctor Who that kicked it off. But to go back to what you were actually saying, yes, I did notice a big difference because all of a sudden, after the Horns of Nymon, which was one of the most petrifying and alarming pieces of television that I'd seen when I was that small because it was really scary and there was something that was going on that was just unsettling because these things were just wrong. They didn't look right. They didn't move right. They were strange. I didn't realise that they were ballerinas on death-defying high-heeled shoes or anything, but my, I just they just <laughs> looked weird and wrong. And, of course, it was an interesting thing as well, Is um, and you'll see this when you see Megalos, is that when John Nathan Turner took over, the monsters stopped being green 
And they weren't the right green, because prior to that, they'd all been this kind of uniform green. The Rutan is the same green as Irato. And that was a green and a weird kind of shape that I associated with malevolent evil and still do to this day, which is lucky because it's not a green that you really get to see that much. But that was all there. So that was my sort of lead up to it. And then, as the doc said, all of a sudden it went really dull because... When, you know, starting with the minute-long pan across, was it, Brighton Pebbles? Oh, yeah. Oh, it just goes on and on. Well, fair fair two minutes, isn't it? Oh, you got the extended version, did you? Uh, But it was, yeah, it just goes (laughs) on and on and on. It's ridiculously long, anyway. Is that the Love It Bickford director's cut? I'm not sure. Yeah. But... um, yeah, but that and and all autumnal colours and the doctor hiding in his coat, which I mentioned before, and that was all a bit weird and it was a bit more talky and a bit more science and I didn't like science and I didn't like maths and they were things that I weren't good at and I hated them in school and they were sort of coming on and then all of a sudden, come full circle, ah, oh, it's amazing. I'm a companion because Matthew Waterhouse and me were the spit. So in school. <laughs> Everyone was just sort of like, oh, wow, look, you're on Doctor Who. You're a companion. And laughed at me for math. Did you start going to school in your pyjamas? Pixie boots. No, well, I kind of stopped going to school in my pyjamas at that point because I didn't want people to think I was copying them um, because it was a bit bit sort of awkward. But, yeah, it was that that was all great. And so as far as I was concerned, Adric was the coolest person who'd ever been in Doctor Who, apart from the Doctor, who was obviously the coolest. And I could sort of concentrate on 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 him and ignore all the maths and science and dull, tedious stuff that was going on. I think I've described it as like being it's like when you're really small and you go along to a party and you know you're staying up later than you should do, but it's really dull. And all the parents are just talking and it's just going backwards and forwards and all you want to do is go. But if you draw attention to the fact that you're there, then I'll send you to bed. And that, it, that's what Doctor Who felt a bit like to me. And then when um, when Peter Davison turned up um, and Adric was still there for a bit, obviously, um, that was a bit weird. But but he was my kind of like through line to it because, because the... <laughs> It's all really confused and kind of jumbled up, but the, the comics were much better than what I was seeing on the telly. Because what I was seeing on the telly, yeah, well, you can imagine at the end of Earthshock, because it was that was horrendous. And I had to go into school the next day, and I was a laughing stock, even more so than I'd been before for looking like Adric. For <laughs> you killed the dinosaurs. <laughs> it's just like yeah, well, and so. Had you? Uh, have you, so, um, have you read his autobiography? Uh, blue, no, no. I. It's I, it's really. I mean, the first it's it's the first third is a bit boring because it's mainly him. Oh, I was a Doctor Who fan as a kid, and here are these various <laughs> memorabilia I used to buy. There's one point where he he stands up. He's up, stands up in school, in his class, and sings the um. What was the John Pertwee song? Oh, oh no, I am across, the across the wastes of time. I am mm. the doctor. You oh. think how did he survive school? Yeah. But the middle bit, the bit you, you buy it for, which is where he, you know, he, he muckraking bit. Amazing, this Doctor Who fan gets to be in a show. Yeah, it's really, it's not exactly tragic, but it's really, really sad because Tom is almost not. He's almost on a different planet. You expect um, Tom, you know, going there. You expect oh, Tom will be the sun around which everyone else yeah. is orbiting. Yeah. But it's not that. It's like he's there's a giant goldfish bowl, and Tom is just this bright comet that occasionally circles out around outside. He's hardly paying any attention at all. Right. So he's really disappointed, Matthew uh, Waterhouse, with it. Yeah, well, he had a, he had a, He's always had a tough ride, though. I he? think. 
<laughs> between the three of us, we've probably peed all over the Reverend's memories of the early oh, 80s. Oh, sorry about that. Well, I think... interest, interestingly, although I'm older than... Mm. Uh, I think older than older, the early 80s was when I, too, was buying magazines just for the pictures. So, mm. like, um... Yeah, you're a bit older than me. <laughs> yeah, but that was a different kind of magazine, Jeff. Different <laughs> kind of magazine. The most traumatic day of my life, and this is it, this is true, the most traumatic day of my life was the announcement that Tom Baker was leaving. Oh, even, yeah. even at that point, I didn't know there had been other Doctors, despite everything. Oh. All these all these pictures in Doctor Who Weekly, uh-huh. I remember there yeah. being a, there was a photo of, of William Hartnell in the Celestial Toymaker, I remember my brother pointing at that saying, oh look, that's the first Doctor Who. And it was like uh, it's like it was like Father Ted talking to Father Dougal. That's the Doctor Who, and it's like, oh, yeah, right. And it's no, no, that's that's Doctor Who. Yeah, of course it is. Huh? And it, it was like that. I didn't, I didn't understand. It just said Tom Baker will be leaving Doctor Who, and I, my mum was sewing in the dining room. She used to make dresses, and she'd be in the dining room sewing. And I ran through to her in tears, and. She was concerned, obviously, and she said, well, what, what, what was the matter? And I went, Tom Baker's leaving Doctor Who. And she just looked at me and went, what do you want me to do about it? <laughs> but the thing is, when when Peter Davison came along, and I, um, Tom Baker is an absolute god to me, and when I do watch Peter Davison episodes, I, I don't enjoy them as much. I, I had some problems with Peter Davison. I thought he always thought he panted too much, which got some oh, of it. Yeah. But yeah. I had um, a pair of cream corduroys, a beige dressing God. gown, and a cricket jumper. So I could dress up as the Peter Davison doctor. So I used to throw myself off the stairs and uh, <laughs> pretend that it was the Faros project. And I'd regenerate <laughs> into Peter Davison. <laughs> Um, but that's the point then, of course, when I suddenly had all this this sort of big toy box open up to me. They regenerate. There was other doctors. There was, and all those little facts I used to like reading and stuff on the and the pictures I liked looking at the toy books. I suddenly got it, and it all came together. <laughs> um, and I sort of like my training was complete. I didn't just like Doctor Who anymore. I was just I understood I was an obsessive. Yeah. Um, and, when, and the five when doctors jump- came, and everything, and the Radio Time special, and I would be looking yeah. through that and looking at all of the, the bits of them painting trainers to look like alien feet and all sorts. I loved it all, all the facts and stuff, and that's that's just love it all. Go on, Doc. You were about to ask yeah, a question. Yeah, when, you, when you when you jumped off the stairs yes. and you landed, when you landed, did you find you were wearing a different pair of shoes? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know, but uh, Adric was there, and Nissa uh, and Tegan, yes. <laughs> Marvelous. But I used to just. As it, it was like we, it was like you know we didn't have a video. But it, uh, again, I'll t- come on to more about that later. But I'd, it was like rewinding the same bit. That was the only bit I'd reenact. Because yeah. if I if if I straightened my hair back a bit as well on the floor, I thought I would like be there. So. Yeah. Con, you've brought video up. That's interesting. Um, we, hmm. When we got a video recorder, I just had like I don't know four cassettes. So I would record a season, and I, you know I wasn't enjoying Doctor Who as much at the time anyway. So I'd rewatch all the stories once, and then the next year I'd record the next season over that season, pretty much. Mm. So I never kept any of them, not until very late in the eighties. Mm. I mean, well, what were your experiences well, like, God, Reverend? Well, totally different because we didn't have a video recorder. 
the first episode I recorded on a video was the uh, Night to Six TV movie. Really? Um, really, wow. yeah. Um, the only, the nearest thing I had was uh, I, I, I recorded uh, Remembrance of the Daleks on an E120 cassette from Tandy oh. with the with the line in plugged to my portable telly. So I had this. I think <laughs> I think I might even still have this audio tape. And then it was a top loader. <laughs> It was then, but then it was like a couple of years later, again, when I was in sixth form, that my dad suddenly said, oh, go on then, let's get a video recorder. And that's Too bloody I, late. It, well, it is, but that's when I got this copy. I got a copy of um, Robots of Death and a copy of Spearhead from Space um, oh. from, from the local video shop for probably about 50p each or something like that, wow. which, you know, then was probably, you know, quite a hole in my pocket, I suppose, when I was in sixth form, but, you know. I took them over and watched them, and that's that's my experience with, with videoing. And then again, I used to get a mate to record them off um, UK Gold for me. And I think his his satellite dish was a bit dodgy because I used to get all the episodes with diagonal lines mm. of interference going down them. But yeah, so I didn't actually have any video uh, experiences. The only the only one that was ever recorded because I used to um, I used to go in all the, I used to go in school plays and school musicals and things like that. I remember. Um, we had a, a performance of a show on Wednesday evening, and it was the last episode of Survival. And I asked my brother to record it, who did have a video. And I uh, went round and I watched that at his house the next day. So that was sort of the early thing. And wow. I've kept the tape. At that point, if, if I'd have known that was the last episode for a long time, that would have been a very precious tape. Michael, yeah, yeah. Michael Palin finished going around the world in 80 days on the same night, because he recorded me that as well. Wow. Oh, that's a really sweet memory, actually. Mm. Speaking of, now that you've come to it, the end of Doctor Who in the 1980s, I mean, we could go over everything, but we'd be here all night. Mm. But, Al, you first. Go on. When we got to 1989 and 1990 and Mm. 1991, and Mm. it became apparent that it wasn't coming back, were you sad, disappointed, or maybe a little bit like me, just a bit disinterested, to be honest. Well, unfortunately, I was a bit disinterested because I, it had re, uh, I'd sort of, after after Caves of Androzani, it was a bit uphill, and um, I found it very uphill, and then when Sylvester McCoy came on, I reassess it now, it was just such a change in everything, and I didn't particularly like the Doctor from that point on, which is no offence to Colin Baker. Uh, but again, I was only watching it sporadically, so I was only seeing bits here and there. And a, and mm. definitely again, the Colin Baker comics up to issue 99 of Doctor Who magazine were much, much better than what was on the telly. And that was a bit difficult. And then when Sylvester McCoy took over, it was like watching Grange Hill. And when Hale and Pace turned up, that was it. I just decided I wasn't going to watch this again. <laughs> and that was it. That was oh, me yeah. then. So, so it, it it got cancelled and drifted away, and I, I didn't even notice. I was still getting the Doctor Who magazine, and I got it for another. Um, I got it up until about five issues into Sylvester McCoy's run, and then I just said that I don't want this. Right. I don't want this anymore. You know, afterwards, after the fact, I've completely sort of changed my opinions on all the McCoys but at the time I couldn't have been more disinterested really. I mean I uh-huh. watched them but what about you Doc? What was your late 80s experience well, of the series ending? my 85 to 88 I was at university down in London so um, 
and the last thing you want to, if you I didn't have a TV, so if you if you wanted to go into what what would used to be effectively be a TV room, the last thing everyone else wanted to do is watch Doctor Who. So I I really missed Colin and Sylvester's um, eras, and so eighty nine. It's like I'm not, I wasn't that aware. I was, even I was a bit disinterested. In fact, I don't even remember it stopping. Mm. Yeah, uh, I must have vaguely. I mean, I, I must have vaguely noticed. I, I, for some reason, I, I can only remember one space shuttle crashing. I can't remember the second one happening. So there's maybe something wrong with my memory. But yeah. I wouldn't have. Um, and maybe this is what my problem with the eighties is. If I'd watched the eighties when I was younger, I might have an, anyway, an emotional reaction to it. But now watching it back, all I'm looking at is is you know it's it's Fedjo is this. Like good Doctor Who or not, and it's just there's nothing in it at all that I like. Um, I can't. Um, I don't mind Colin being his sort of you know bolshy Doctor too much. Um, although Perry is again annoying as a, a companion, but mm. I, I just cannot take Sylvester seriously. You know, there's this big thing about oh with Sylvester. You know, you were interviewing Andrew Cartmell the other day. Mm. Uh, oh, the big thing with Sylvester is, you know, he's this mysterious doctor, and you know we're learning about things. He's, you know, he's manipulating people behind the scenes, which the stories I can utterly appreciate. But with Sylvester playing it in that silly costume, in that almost silly costume, I just couldn't take it seriously. I, I, I couldn't think. Oh, no, he's not. He's not a manipulative. I, I wouldn't. Be, I wouldn't be able to. Take, I'd be able to take Peter or Colin seriously doing that either. <laughs> he just he just doesn't look like it. He looks silly. It's all about almost as convincing as the fact that Ace could ever get into the Time Lord Academy. Oh well, thank goodness they never got there. Maybe then. Um, so they probably that stopped was, uh, it just at the right time. So that was it for me. The eighties. I, I, I most of it passed me by, uh, and it's so uh, it's just stuff I see in retrospect, and and it's not stuff. As ever want to watch again, really. So uh, very even even the three the three Dalek, um, and, you know the big three Daleks begin with a the well, Rev, you know, the, one, Rev the three, the, the Rev. three abstract mm. nouns that begin with an R, yeah. Yeah, Remembrance, yeah. Resurrection, and the other one, Revelation. Don't do much for me. No, no, me uh, either. To be honest, I have got a fondness for Battlefield, uh, mainly <laughs> for the Brigadier, mm. but that's about it. Yeah, Curse of Fenric is okay, but I just. Uh, it makes my flesh cool. You know when um, Ace says, Oh, oh I'll, the seduction I'll, uh, scene. I'll, I'll distract the guard by being... Confusing. <laughs> yeah, but it's a baffling speech. It's okay, Doctor. I'll go over there and make the guard, the guard vomit. <laughs> <laughs> so very briefly Finishly, then... So having said all that, I missed it. The, the, best, the, the best, One of the best things about 80s is... Things I'll say something you don't like, JR, is the, is the final line of Survivor. Oh, it's fantastic. You know, the oh, somewhere there's a, there's mm. a glass pot of tea boiling or something. I quite like that. <laughs> um, I, like, I like the sentiment. I just don't think it was phrased as well as it could have been. No, that's true. There's just there's something about the line about cities made of smoke or whatever it is that, or cities made of song and people made of smoke. Or Is, is Survival the one where he goes. It's one where they have that. If we carry on fight, well, if we yeah. Fight, yeah. fighting, you know what that reminds me of? Or what 
what reminds me of that is um, Gladiator? Matt's, Matt's <laughs> Pandorica speech. Where he says, you know, yeah, he yeah. takes the Pandorica. She reminds me of that. He can't do shouty acting. No, and every time they get him to do it, I keep thinking, no, this is not what Matt Smith should be doing. Yeah, mm. yeah he's better when he's subtle. Yeah, yeah. Mm. And then they get him to do it again in that um, one about the uh, rings of... Akaten, yeah. And he does it again... Um, he does it in the time oh, of the Doctor, right at yeah. the end, when he's talking yeah. to the Daleks in the sky, and I'm thinking, no, that's not really what I want to see at this point. He does it a lot in season seven, though, doesn't he? Delivers impassioned mm. speeches to mm. Green Walls. Well, people keep going online and saying how wonderful he is when he does it. Um, yeah. Well. Yeah. Well, no, not they don't anymore. <laughs> but they did in the Pandorica <laughs> opens. Give it, give With it time. Scene in when the prelude, mm. when the prelude for the time of the Doctor comes out in a couple of years, then that's when. The... That's when it would come back yeah. up again. Look, really briefly, because we've been going on for quite an age, and I don't really want to overrun by too far, <laughs> but, well, my experience when the TV movie came on in 1996 was I was interested enough <clears throat> to watch it, mm. and I didn't much care that it hadn't gone to a series, because, I mean, now I think it's a nicely written and beautifully directed piece of television, but at the time, I just... Couldn't have cared less about it, to be frank. Mm-hmm. Um, Reverend, what was your thought well, on the TV I, I, movie? Well, I think my whole end of the 80s coming up to the TV movie was uh, like a big blossoming part of my life that's totally the opposite to what uh, We've you, all been you three saying. have described. I was, I, was, I was a teenage boy with bubbling hormones and I was totally obsessed with Doctor Who at that point, pinging off the wall obsessed 87, family holiday to Cornwall. I tuned every channel of the TV in the hotel room to BBC One to make sure I saw episode one. <laughs> the theme tune, people, people say, oh, no, we don't like the, the, the new mix of the theme tune. I say, hey, no, baby, it's your song. You you have that theme tune. And the logo, don't like the, the cartoon. You look, oh, I love it. I remember cutting out some foil and making a version of the logo. <laughs> yeah, I've made this facsimile of you, baby. Yeah, you're man. I loved, I loved it so much. I really think that I just, instead of finding girls, I, I just fell in love with Doctor Who. As, and I'd got into a pattern by the last two series. My brothers had uh, left home and my mum and dad would go out dancing, uh, ballroom dancing on certain nights of the week. And it was always the night Doctor Who following the last two series. And I would go home from school. I would go into the shop, buy two cans of Panda ginger beer. <laughs> I would buy a bag of Brannigan's beer nuts. Oh. I would buy a bag of Twiglets. And I would watch Doctor Who on my own. Instead of asking a girl around when the house was empty, I would watch <laughs> Doctor Who. And if we had no video, as I said, when it finished, same as I used to do, drawing pad out and start doodling and drawing and stuff. So when it, you know, when it finished, um, I wasn't really aware it had finished. It took me a long time to come to terms with it. I would hang on every word of Doctor Who magazine saying, yeah. oh yeah, they're going to do an independent production. Oh yeah, this man claims to be Doctor Who. I'd love it all. When it came to '96, it was like um, it was like I was meeting up with an old girlfriend again. I wonder if the old sparkles were there. And it was really odd because um, it was the night it was on was the night this this is how the, it changed from being a teenage boy. You see, it was the night before my final presentation at university oh. in my third year. Oh, um, and I made sure I finished all of my work to present the day before it was going to be on. On the day of it, um, I went and helped my brother at a car boot sale, which was in a pub. 
And at that point in time, it was beyond ginger beer. I had a few beers, and I, it, it was the first time I watched it uh, watched it drunk, uh, which is quite interesting. But um, it helped. <laughs> yeah, well, don't, don't I, I enjoyed it. I, I I was unhappy about the squeaky Dalek nonsense, but I liked Paul McGann. I liked the regeneration. I liked some of the direction. I didn't like the the American ears of it. I was never quite happy yeah. with that. I didn't like the Doctor Who special magazine special that came out with the fluorescent cover to go with it. Mm. I found that quite disappointing. Um, but I, I know I was disappointed that it didn't go to a series because I, I did. I went away to, to to study elsewhere for a year after that, and I remember leaving my mum a note saying, uh, "When when the new series of Doctor Who comes on, don't ring me," because it never <laughs> it never it, it never came on. And I oh, even no, think, we shouldn't be laughing. That's a moment for tears. It, well, it is because, I mean, a lot of people at that point when I was away studying didn't know I was a huge Doctor Who fan because I'd started seeing Star Trek and flirting with Star Trek and they thought, oh, he's a Trekkie. And I'm thinking, no, I'm not. I'm just like, making do. <laughs> and, yeah, wow. Um, Tart. But I do like bits of it. I like, the begin- I like the beginning bit. I like the TARDIS. I like some of the design. I don't like the Americans of it. I'm not that keen on some of the Master's tricks of spewing stuff, mm. gooey stuff. I found that a bit odd. Um, and again, in a, in hindsight, later on, it's at the time you sort of think, oh, look, it's all, oh, look, there's the seal of Rassilon, oh, it's all Doctor Who. And you think, why the heck did they put that on? Mm. When the 2005 series came back and you think, damn, that's how they should have done it. Mm. Um, you know, that's hindsight, isn't it? Mm. Doc, then, your ex- your experience of the TV movie, more like oh, the Reverends or more like God. mine? Um, more like mine by the sound of it. More like yours. Oh, it was. Oh. I looked forward to it a fair bit, but it was. Oh, it was. It really was bobbins, wasn't it? The um, I, I like um, Rev. I like the stuff about. I thought the inside of the TARDIS was beautiful, and I like the fact that they'd gone to the trouble of get of bringing Sylvester along for the beginning of it, but mm. the rest of it. I mean, I won't. I worry when we say, "Oh, we don't want Doctor Americanized." It's going to sound to non-British audiences if we were saying, "Oh no, we hate American stuff." It's not I, that. It's just that it was the wrong thing the way, at the wrong time, when, wasn't it? When, when the BBC tried to Americanize things, it's it doesn't do work. Like Perry, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they, they, they just they, 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 what they do is they don't say, "Oh, let's make it, let's Americanize it, so let's make it brilliant," like say Star Trek. They'll say, well, they recognise it, so we'll choose, we'll look for the lowest common denominator in the USA, and we'll pander to that instead of, you yeah, know, yeah, going for so, so, trying to match something brilliant um, uh, in American culture. But oh no, I mean the half-human nonsense. They, uh, I don't want to sound um, <laughs> cynical. It's all right. We're no, working our way to a. We're working our way, hopefully, towards a happy ending here. <laughs> <laughs> but go on, Al, your, your experience of the TV I was movie. Say, yeah, um, it's one step along towards the happy ending, right? What what actually happened is after, although I'd, I'd fallen out of sort of um, love with Doctor Who come 89 and in subsequent the wilderness periods and stuff, um, what I had done was I discovered music, more interesting comics, and college, um, not necessarily in order of importance, I should probably state. And um, I got back into Doctor Who because where I went to college, um, there was another guy who was well into Doctor Who who was there. 
And he had the videos, which I've never been able to afford. Uh... So we would watch a lot of old Tom Baker stuff. And I was in college in Wrexham, and the nearest sort of large conurbation was Chester. And Chester Library had loads and loads of Doctor Who videos. So I was getting to see it, and I was getting back into it and excited about it. And I was where I was getting into music as well, I was um, re-watching a lot of old stuff. And I'd get Doctor Who videos then for birthdays and Christmas. So that was quite cool. And I was really beginning to get this sort of enthusiasm back up for it. So when when um, 96 came around, which was, which was my final year as well, um, I was over the moon and go on, we'll give it a go. We'll see what it's like. And I was there queuing up at Woolworths first thing in the morning to buy the video. So I'd seen it before uh, yeah, it was on. Yeah. So, yeah, so I'd seen it before it was on. And when I was going back through listing all the trailers, it's very interesting that it seems as though the BBC had watched it before it was on. Because for their final trailer they put up, the first one was really quite cunning because it looked really good and 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 sort of um, like this was going to be something exciting and, and different and new and bold and striding purposefully into the new generation and so on. And then the second one they put up just had all of the Eric Roberts moments. And you know which ones. Um, and they were, yeah... Yeah, they were they were all in it, and just to be honest, right, I I will be honest. I loved it right up until the word Scaro faded, and then it just went downhill faster and faster and faster. <laughs> and that's the Ouch. truth, and and I kind of stand by that. But that's because of all sorts of things. Um, like I was very into the X Files, and this was obviously not the X Files, no matter how much it wanted to be. But I'll give it another shot one day. Expectations not met, basically. They never could be. There was nothing that was ever no. going to match it, and and a, and a backdoor pilot just wasn't going to be it because it had to play. It had to play safe on the stuff it needed to be risky, and <laughs> you know. Yeah, yeah, that's too true. <laughs> Guys, the new series. Then, when you found out, where were you, and what did you think? Because I think the 10 years, or not quite 10 years, but 7 or 8, between the TV movie and, you know, the announcement and the series returning, were enough for Doctor Who to have changed in the public consciousness from something that was faintly embarrassing to something that people could see the value in. And so, actually, there was a lot more anticipation about the Russell T. Davis version than there ever had been about the Paul McGann. I mean, was your experience of it the same? Um, Al, we'll stay with you for a minute. <laughs> um, yeah, largely because you're sat there thinking, please don't mess this up, please don't mess this up, please don't mess this up, you know, over and over and over again, and in between that, sleeping and going to work. Because um, it was... Because um, I, was, I was back in Cardiff at this point, so there had been a bit of a buzz kicking around, um, even though it was sort of there. Because I'd missed... Because I dropped so totally away from it, I didn't know it was coming back until I started seeing billboards up, which had explained a little bit um, about why there'd been these big trucks that you'd be walking past in the middle of town and things, and <laughs> and, and why streets were being closed off for filming, and it was just really bizarre. And then it turned out it was Doctor Who. So, so that, you were there in the heart of it and yeah, missed it. <laughs> I yeah, in the heart of there and missed it. And twelve days after. Um, uh, part in other ways i moved out of cardiff forever so that was dumb but there we go <laughs> classic yeah just as it came back and at this point i decided because i knew i was going to move that i was um what, what i would do rather than have a social life when i moved is that i get myself up to phd level doctor who because that looked like something fun to do um so 
I've just sort of been rewatching it and everything since then. And I was there in, in the town where I was born. They make it now. <laughs> And I blinking didn't get to see any of it. It's infuriating. So when you said earlier about watching Doctor Who twice, you know, so you get through the first initial bit and then you watch it again so you can... Yeah. So, yeah. Well, I have to watch... I do it for a different reason because the first time I watch it, it's just like, used to work there, got fired from that, left that one, mm, used, to, <laughs> used to work in that one as well. Yeah. Well, you were born there. Yeah. And it's just... Uh, it's really odd, but not so much with Stephen Moffat in charge now, because he doesn't like Cardiff as much, I don't think. Well, no, he does. He loves Cardiff. He loves it. But he doesn't show it off as much as... It's not as obvious as it was with Russell T. Davis. It was hidden. It's been hidden no. since... Yeah. In fact, actually, he's done something very, very different with it altogether, hasn't he? Totally, yeah. Because Russell T. Davis was very much out on the streets, showing off the city centre, showing off the big buildings. Mm -hmm. And with Stephen Moffat, it's like... It looks like it's being made somewhere else entirely, doesn't it? Although, in fairness to Stephen Moffat, that did mean that Russell T. Davis had used up all the camera angles because Cardiff's really small. <laughs> yeah, and <laughs> he was he was more showing his off in Torchwood, wasn't he, than Doctor Who? Oh, with, RTD. with oh, all yeah, the, stand, yeah. the standing on buildings, looking at stuff. <laughs> well, we've all done that. Oh yeah, as, I'm, do, as, I'm doing it. As now. did in the hotel next to that building where Captain Jack. <laughs> Stands last uh, last year, and I didn't actually realise I was staying next to it. And so I was looking out the window and thinking, "Oh, sure, recognise that." Oh, quick selfie, quick. <laughs> quick yeah. I'm sure, I'm sure I recognise that actor in a long coat. Yeah, who's that bloke? <laughs> it's where they stand him when they don't need him. That bloke singing sure tunes on that building. <laughs> you know, they should put a statue of him up there now. Just put a yeah. statue of him on the corner of that building. So really, that really hard to time. reach blue plaque. Just to see how, <laughs> how many fans attempted to go there. You know, got the Yanto Shrine as low down as you can get, and the Captain Jack one as high up as you can get. It's a bit harsh having the that Yanto was a, Shrine. A brilliant part of um, the Five-ish Doctors, wasn't it? Trying to hide his, his straight family. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah very <laughs> Doc, Doc, what was your what was your experience um, of the series coming back? I don't actually remember. A, a single announcement saying it was coming back. I, I have a vague memory of thinking, oh, you know, well, they've, they've said they will, but I bet they won't. And then it sort of got more and more convincing. I, I remember all these silly headlines. Oh, it's going to be, the new Doctor's going to be Paul Daniels. Oh, yeah. Uh, things like that. And then they announced it was Christopher Eccleston. You know these people who, who, re, who resent the hell out of him for not um, mm. coming back for anniversaries say, mm. oh... He, you know, he's just used Doctor Who to boost his career. It was entirely the other way around. That no one was taking this reboot seriously. Until someone said, oh, it's, it's going to be Christopher Eccleston. People started saying, oh! Yeah. And they started taking yeah. it seriously. Maybe they started taking it slightly less seriously when they, the next week they said, and Billy Piper. Mm -hmm. But I thought, I was so excited by the prospect of it, I even started resubscribing to Doctor Who magazine. Which, um... It's something I um, I remember loving. I loved the the build up to it. You know, reading in the, each month the, the print. Oh, here are these these the, the episode titles they've announced. Oh yeah, reading yeah. something like oh the empty child. Oh, I wonder what that'll be like. That was really good. Mm. And uh, I was well. I told you this before, Jr. I was season one. Is I absolutely adore it. I think it's absolutely fabulous. Remember they didn't they. On the first night, didn't they play Rose and End of the World back-to-back? -back? 
No, they were going to, but they didn't. No, in I think the I'm end. sure they did. No, they played. Sure, I'm sure they did. No, end of the world was the week after. They may have played it back to back somewhere else. I think. I think they did in London. Um, and I was. Uh, I mean, in retrospect, Rose isn't that um, fantastic. But end of the world is, I think, is just blew me away completely. When the credits for end of the world. Um, rolled up at the end, and I sort of returned to reality. I found that I was sort of sitting with my my knees hunched up under my chin on an armchair, with a little cushion clutched to my chest, bouncing up and down, as I used to do when I was watching Doctor Who when I was little. Because <laughs> our sofa was pushed against the wall, so we couldn't hide behind it. So I used to hide behind a little cushion on my knee. I thought it was absolutely brilliant, the... Uh, the First season it came back. Um, oh, I'll start to cry in a minute. <laughs> and that's it. I mean, I was the, there were episodes of the of that series one where I was I was crying like a girl. Yeah, I should have really said that, should I? No, um, I think we all were. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I think um, the entire country was, to yeah. be frank. Uh, I thought, oh, and uh, the only thing since which has done that to me. Is um, you know the end of uh, da, 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 the Big Bang, mm. yeah, where the Doctor's kissing Lamy and saying, you know, have a good life, love Rory, before he oh, steps yeah, through the crack, yeah. and that's always uh, gets me uh, howling with tears. Um, but the unfortunately the 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 rest <laughs> of it's not been as good as that. Again, as I, as I say, it's it's Doctor Who, so it's still. Amazing! It just wasn't. It doesn't for me reach that ultimate peak. I know exactly what you're saying. I, everything since that that first series was such a shock, yeah. and every single week you didn't know mm. quite where it would go and what it would do. Yeah. And of course, after that, it sort of settles down into a pattern. I don't suppose there's any way to avoid it, is there? No. Well, I think I think as people have said about Moffat's first season, uh, was it season five? Moffat's first yeah. season, wasn't it? I think. Russell T. Davis had thought had been planning that all his life, and combined with that, he was thinking, you know, we can't just do, approach this slapdash. This could be our one chance of bringing it back, and so they were. I think they took infinite pains on it, and I think after that big, huge success they had in series series one, I think they started to believe their publicity, their own publicity, a bit too much. And they said, "Oh, let's go a little bit wild and be a bit silly now." Mm. Um, not, not to the extent that it, it, it ruined the show at all, but I think it started becoming a bit. And you got, see, and you ended up, you end up with, with stuff like uh, the end of time. <laughs> yeah. And as we said, some of the uh, some series four, the one with um, Catherine Tate. Mm-hmm. I think particularly in that series, I think the episodes all work because the relationship between Tate and Tennant, mm. but I think some of the stories are a bit weak. But the that, Rev- that, was, that, was, that was that unicorn and the wasp. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, I really enjoy that, but yeah. you know. That's my favourite not... from that season. Yeah, mm. I really like it, but it's not Father's Day and it's not oh, Dalek and it's not no. The Empty Child. Reverend. It's not Horns of Nyman, is it? <laughs> Reverend, how was the return for you? Um, well, I was. Uh, I'd discovered the internet by that point, and uh, so my fact-finding missions, and you know, uh, being interested in the design of it and the music of it, things like that. I was obsessed with finding sound bites and stuff like that. I was always on the BBC Cult website, 
course, we just had Scream of the Shulker, which we haven't mentioned. Is it not canon? Um, so, <laughs> no. We just had that, and of course, uh, I was quite excited about that coming back. And then the announcement came, and of course, I'm thrilled and excited. Um, and But in, in my head, um, I was still thinking of the bright lights of 80s Doctor Who, and I'm thinking, well, I liked it then, but I don't think it'll work now. Mm. In my head, I couldn't comprehend what a new Doctor Who would look like. And as, again, I don't know why this is, but in my head, it's mixed round as well. I seem to remember Billy Piper being announced before Christopher Eccleston. I don't know why that is. I don't think it's right. But I seem to remember thinking, Billy Piper, that little pop star. I don't get it. But Christopher Eccleston, I thought, hang on, he's that's that's different. That's interesting because I'm thinking, oh, I wonder, I wonder if they'll get someone like Paul Daniels or something like that. Starts... I think actually what happened was there were rumours about Billy Piper yeah. before the announcement. I think that could be it. Because I'm, hang- yeah. I'm knocking around the internet and I've seen them. See. And it's at this point that I, I was hanging around the forums. I enjoyed the forums. I enjoyed the conversations, things. I can't stand the places now. But at that yeah. point in time, especially when there was little feeds coming through with the first day's filming with the, uh, the trucks outside the hospital, mm-hmm. and people started trying to formulate little stories. Yeah. And things. I got it, yeah. and then you saw the clip from um, BBC Wales Today or wherever it was of the first day of uh, Billy and Christopher filming with the shop scenes, mm-hmm. and of course it's it's like BBC local news lighting, which wasn't dissimilar to eighties Doctor Who lighting. I'm thinking, oh, <laughs> it does look the same. <laughs> when it when it actually came on telly, it was a totally different experience for me because right up until the ninety six one, I chose to watch it as a solitary experience. And when it came back, I was actually on um, a group trip. I'd been roped into helping on a group canal trip. And um, I couldn't help it. It was already pre-booked. And I'm on this canal badge. And I borrowed, I bought off of eBay this little handheld Casio telly. So I was going to watch The Return of Doctor Who on a two-inch screen. And I was just thinking, typical, we'll moor up in time for it. Brilliant. That was all planned because it was getting dark. I thought it was typically something hits me on the head now and knocks me out after I've waited for this long for this to come back. That was just typical. But I didn't. But I watched it on this tiny screen, surrounded by other people all glued to it. And uh, I think it was also, you'd had the adverts with the TARDIS on and with Christopher Eccleston said, do you want to come with me? It'll be dangerous. And I'm thinking, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And when I watched those first few episodes, the excitement was that, it is different. It's lit well. And the thing is, the things he's saying about it'll be exciting, it'll be dangerous, there's monsters. The terminology we're using felt like it had been made by people who loved Doctor Who mm. and were tapping into those very emotions without having to talk about backstory or bringing all the things about Rassilon and things like that. It was it was fresh enough for new people to watch, yet there was still that essence there, I think, that made it Doctor Who. And I, I've got to admit, I didn't find... The stories for the first two fantastic. I I pre-loved the Mark Gatiss one because I love Mark Gatiss and anything he does, so I'd already decided to like that one. But I did, because it was Victorian <laughs> London, it's great. It's when the Stephen Moffat ones came, and it was sort of a bit scary. And I thought, oh, this is really good. It's not a kid's programme, it's a proper family thing. And the fact that family started watching it. And it, I've never watched a, a, a first broadcast episode of it on my own now. There's always been people around. In the first series, we invented a drinking game, which was real good fun. And, you know, um, even on Christmas Day this year, uh, a mate of mine, to, to get away from family things, came around with uh, my godsons, his kids, and we watched it together. 
and it, there's little things like when the seal of Rassilon was shown and he said, I got it from the uh, master in the death zone. I went, huh. and there's like, oh, what are you geeking at out over there? It's like people ask questions and stuff. And it's just a really fun experience now. And yeah, it always takes me two watches, I think, like you've said. Yeah. The programs. The first one, I'm just happy to be watching with the people and seeing them enjoying it because, you know, I, you know, between 96 and it coming back, it was everyone used to laugh at me a bit about it. Oh, Doctor Who, that's a bit quirky yeah. and mad, isn't it? But, but now, no, no, I'm cool now. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, that is, seems like a great place to end because we are running and running and running. Uh-huh. And of course, we were going to. How has it been for you? Oh. You were right, by the way. It wasn't. Uh, they weren't back to back. I've just checked. Oh, have you? No. They were. They were supposed to be at one point, and they decided they did against it. In the, it. They did it in the states, but right. not in the. I was too late in the BBC to do it. Well, how's it hmm. been being on the podcast, guys? Brilliant, Al. Um, oh, yeah, I've I've really enjoyed it. It's it's a bit. It's an odd experience because um, normally other people don't reply when I talk to myself, so that's quite good. <laughs> You're also going to have a very strange experience listening to this week's podcast when it goes out and finding oh, yourself no. on it. Yes, and finding... it's not near as bad as I thought it'd be. Yeah, it wasn't. I thought it'd be, t- I thought it'd be terrible. Mm. <laughs> I'm, I'm very surprised that it was no, as well structured. I don't mean the content. I mean the experience. <laughs> it's just, it's just a conversation where instead of typing, you're talking. Yeah. <laughs> so, JR, normally you're coughing, coughing and spluttering and uh, having a cold. Did you put those effects on afterwards? Or... <laughs> <laughs> Fix it in post. Yeah. I've still got a bit of a cold from last week, actually. I've, I'm, fortunately, I'm a bit less spluttery tonight than I was last week. <laughs> well, guys, oh, I tell you what, before we go, and I don't usually do this, but I really ought to when I've got guests on. Um, you know, if any of you've got a blog or anything you'd like to point to for the listener, where they can find you online, and all three of you have, of course. Mm-hmm. So, um, Reverend, you go first. Your blog. Tell uh, people about it and where they can find. Well, it. my my blog is uh, is uh, I can't remember what it's called. Fan Wanak is the uh, is the address uh, blogger, and it's known as the Top Geek blog. Uh, but it's just uh, sort of a quirky outlook uh, uh, of the world of sci-fi. Um, and fantasy, not just Doctor Who. I mean, I've, the things the, 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 that Dumbledore at Hogwarts—he doesn't know how to run a school. And there's, also, <laughs> there's, 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 some, there's some. I mean, you know, people talk about plot holes in some episodes of Doctor Who and Sherlock. You know, if Ofsted ever gets to Hogwarts, unbelievable. <laughs> but yes, mm. fan, fan Wanak, and uh, yes, do go and have a look. Well, I tell you what, actually, as well, I'll put all the links up on the. Blue Box Podcast Facebook page as well. So if people want to come and find you, if they come and find the Facebook page, I'll put a little thing with the links in. Al, what about you? Uh, Right, well, I've got to be a bit careful about mine because um, mine's written with someone else and he specifically said that I'm not allowed to say anything about him at all. So by mentioning him there, I've probably broken that. Um, Ooh, ouch. Yeah, anyway, there we go. Uh, So it's run by me and him, uh, but I can't tell you anything about him. Uh, and it's essentially what we did was we started watching Doctor Who from the start um, and writing up what we thought about it. So it's kind of it's a typed commentary for episodes with occasional. Well, but it's not really about Doctor Who, mm. but that's a, um, and there's blood on it dot which is named after, of course, the best of all Terry Nation uh, cliffhangers. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah. <laughs> All right then. Terry Nation. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, Keys- there was never a. Keys of Marinus. Oh, of course, yes. Yeah. And there you go then, Doc. What about you? Oh, oh, I forgot what it is. <laughs> uh, oh, it's uh, Doc Home. D O C W H O M. WordPress.com. It's just a mixture of me being thrillingly ecstatic about things I like, um, viciously bitchy about things I don't like, and all the stuff in between is just taking the piss, really. So, so really, just it's almost like um, a typed version of the Blue Box podcast. (laughs) (laughs) And there we're going to leave it. So that was the end of my wonderful dream stroke hideous nightmare. Thanks, guys, for coming on. Don't you have a blog, JS, where we can buy stamps <laughs> online? <laughs> it's royalmail.com or oh, right, .co.uk okay. or something. I don't know. It's not an org. <laughs> um, guys, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you. Thanks, Jaya. It's yeah. been a very strange experience for me, but and thank <laughs> God it's over. Oh, bless you. <laughs> thanks. Thanks. I don't mean that at all. It's been. It's been so different from having Lee, Simon and Mark on. Weird. Very strange. It'll be a culture shock when I go back to it next week. (laughs) Anyway, for Mm. now, I was JR. Uh, I was Al. I was Doc. And I was the Rev. And we'll speak again soon. (laughs) 